I guess what I want to tell people is it's it's tough and it's hard and it's ugly and it's dirty and you're gonna get your heart broke and it's it's gonna have some ugly moments but uh, all those ugly moments are worth every single every single bit it's all worth it man just for one kid going guys jared lopes back here with you on the dad tired podcast welcome we're glad to have you if just stumbled upon the podcast welcome uh we'd love to have you come hang out with us we've got a closed group on facebook with thousands of guys from around the world who are trying to take their faith their family and their marriage very seriously we would love to have you come hang out with us there you can do that by going to dadtired.com clicking that community tab and it will link you over to that group you'll also see on dadtired.com that we've got a devotional that was written specifically for the dad tired community the men of dad tired uh, we'd love to have you pick that up and go through it with a few guys that you know, either from your church or your work or wherever. Um, it's a 28 day devotional that talks about how the gospel radically changes your heart, your marriage, your kids, your parenting, and your work. Um, so you can pick that up by going to dadtire.com, click the devotional tab, and you'll find it there. Today we're talking foster and adoption. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know. That in 2017, we became foster parents. I kind of talked my way or processed my way through that journey. Um, For those of you that have been listening for a while, you heard that and were part of that. We had a daughter with us, um, a foster daughter with us for a lot of last year. And uh, she got to return home, which was beautiful. Um, So anyway, it's it's become a topic that I've become really passionate about and excited about and seeing God work in my life and the lives of our foster children and their family. And um, it's just, man, there's there's like gospel saturation all over the foster care system if you allow Jesus to work through you um, and to see how he's working in children and the system. And it's messy and broken, but um, God's doing really radical things. Every Every morning I wake up and I make my bed and I have my son make the bed with me. <laughs> I don't know if that's like child labor law or what, uh, but he, he helps me make my bed. I think he likes just doing it with me. He helps me make my bed and, and every morning I ask him, son, how does this uh, remind us of God? How does making our beds remind us of God? And he always says, because God takes messy things and he makes them beautiful. My, now my son isn't like some uh, radical, super spiritual um, six-year-old boy who like knows uh, all his theology. I've told him that phrase over and over again, and that's why he's able to repeat it. I tell him, I, I've reminded him, like, son, see how our bed's like all messy? Uh, when we make it, and the reason we make it is because it's a reminder for us, even something as simple as making our bed is a reminder for us that God takes really messy things and he makes them beautiful. Uh, he takes our really messy and broken life and he makes it beautiful and he takes a really broken and messy world and he makes it beautiful. And that's the gospel. That's what I want my son to understand. That's the gospel. In a nutshell, the gospel is that God made everything beautiful and man made it messy, uh, took what his beautiful creation and made it messy because of sin. And God, instead of running away from that sin and saying, like, I'm out of here, I'm bailing, he ran back towards the mess and said, I'll make this all beautiful again. 
And that's the good news of Jesus, man. That's the good news that we uh, rest in today is knowing that we are messy and the world is messy, but God has not given up on us. Uh, And the good news that is coming, that he will make all things new again. And uh, so that's what foster care is all about. There was a... uh, there was a, a moment this summer where we had our foster daughter, and it was 4th of July, and um, we had had her for a few months by that point, but uh, we had spent some time at our friend's house, and we were obviously uh, at a 4th of July party, and we were eating and celebrating and uh, doing little fireworks on the street and all this stuff, and there was a moment uh, she was sitting on my lap, and she was smiling and giggling. Man, I could get choked up uh, just thinking about it. I'm going to try to control myself here. Um, she was sitting on my lap, dude. And, uh, in that moment, I really, I was holding her and I was just thinking it was the first time since we had had her for several months that, uh, I had like something mentally switched in my head and in my heart. And I thought, man, I love this little girl. Like she's not just some girl that I'm babysitting or watching. Uh, I love her and man, darn it. I'm (laughs) Uh, trying not to get emotional here. Um, yeah, I love that little girl, man, and uh, and it was the first time I thought, man, I could, I think I could adopt this little girl. Like, I think she could be part of our family, and um, and it was, man. <laughs> sorry, it was just it's hard thinking even back to that moment. I haven't thought about that in a while. Um, it was the first time where I thought, man, I could I could adopt this little girl. She could become part of our family. And the very next day, um, the DHS worker came over and and said, um, she's going home tomorrow. She uh, she'll be reunited with her family tomorrow, which really is good news. Um, but it was unexpected. We thought we would have her for several years, uh, and at that point, we had only had her for several months. And uh, so it was just my heart, man, was ripped out, which we knew uh, we were signing up for. And people often say that people people often say like, I don't think that I can do foster care or uh, get into adoption. It's just so hard. Um, foster care specifically because you feel like, man, what if I get so attached to this child and then it leaves and then it gets taken away from me? Uh, I had one of the guys uh, in the dad tired community who's a foster dad. He kind of spoke directly into this issue. Take a listen to what he said. I think that was one of our most significant hesitations in ever getting into foster care in the beginning. Um, And it really came to a head for us with one of our placements, uh, our son, uh, we call him kind of Rooney in the public sphere. That's our nickname for him just to kind of protect his privacy. But um, we struggled with sending him back to his mom. Uh, He was in our home uh, for about a year and a half. You know, I was dad. I'm the only dad that our son had ever known. Um, my wife was mommy. Uh, we called his mom mama. That was her request. She wanted to be called mama. And then, you know, our son Aaron, our biological son, was two and a half when this child came to our home. He was he was our foster son's big brother. And so this child was a part of our family. And so when it was time for him to go back to his biological mom, man, it broke us in a, in a really deep way. Um you know, we had bedtime routines that involved him. Uh, we had a special song we sang with him every night. Uh, we had our Friday family movie nights, and none of that was the same after our son went back to his mom. But the really beautiful thing in the midst of that painful transition for us was recognizing the role we had played in helping bring a family back together. Um, It's not true of all foster situations that you're able to have a really good relationship with the biological family. But in our case, we were able to celebrate Thanksgiving and Christmas and birthdays with our son's mom. And so she was kind of part of our family, but we also got to help bring that family uh, some healing. Um, we realized that 
in the midst of that transition, sending a child back to their biological family, you get to paint a picture of the gospel that's not as obvious most of the time when you talk about foster care. The picture most people have of, of foster care and how it can paint the gospel is really the picture of adoption. Um, the Bible uses the language of adoption. Um, we talk about adoption a lot in Christian circles. And so when a child is adopted out of foster care into a new forever home, it captures a piece of the image of what God did for us, that when he died on the cross, we could be called his children. But the other main outcome of foster care, um, reconciliation or reunification, when a child is able to go back with their biological family, it's also a beautiful picture of the gospel. Um, you know, when a, when a biological family is able to find healing, take steps where they're able to see their child return, it pictures the reunification and reconciliation we have to our Heavenly Father. I mean, in the beginning, Adam and Eve were able to walk alongside God before sin broke everything, before sin entered the world. And when we are um, joined back into God's family, it's a beautiful picture of that reconciliation that we see in foster care. So I'm really describing the same event in both outcomes, the sin and separation, and then Christ's work on the cross, bringing healing. And it perfectly captures no matter what direction a foster care story goes, whether it's adoption or whether it's reunification, we get to show what it means to be with Christ and to follow Christ. And so thinking that way has helped us with our goodbye to our foster son. Um, and it gave us a vision for being the best foster parents we can be. We're not just, you know, taking these kids as some magical savior. We're also advocates for their families, and we support the families both in their foster care journey, but also supporting families in need long before a kid is ever removed to try to help families grow, to be healed, to be strengthened, to prevent removal in the first place. I always tell people, you know, I hope that she looks back on the nine months that she was with my wife and I and our, our bio kids and say, that's what a family that loves looks like. And even no matter what kind of situation she's in now, at least hopefully she can look back and say, I remember when I was with Derek and Andrea. That was Derek, another foster dad from our Facebook community, uh, to kind of get a scope of how big this problem is. You know, it's easy for us to like, if we don't see it, then we don't really acknowledge it or we don't have to acknowledge it as a problem. Um, but the, the foster epidemic, the, the amount of children who do not have a mommy and a daddy telling them that they are valuable and loved and cared for and desired and delighted in, I mean, it's insane. Uh, I asked Chris Paluski, he's the CEO and president uh, of Bethany Christian Services, which is an, uh, it's a organization in the United States and around the world that takes care of children in need. I asked him, uh, how big is this problem from his perspective? I was out in California last week meeting with some of our, our offices out there. And I, I think the best word or description that came to me was tidal wave. Um, it's a, a tidal wave that's hitting us right now across the U.S. Um, you know, there's, there's challenges with parents who have, well, they had bad parents and they've had challenges upbringing their kids and things aren't getting better. Even if you look at LA County alone, I keep on hearing different numbers. The numbers I've heard are between 25 and 35,000 kids in LA County alone are in need of foster care. 
and that number is just going up. And that's a trend we're seeing uh, uh, across the U.S. For, for lots of reasons, and also because of all the opioid ep epidemic that's going on. And also, um, I think things are, uh, are not as they should be. And Chris is right. Things are not as they should be. We live in a broken and messed up world. But the good news is, uh, in response to that bad news, that Jesus is making all things new again, and he's inviting us to be part of making all things new again. But uh, it's scary. I remember how scared I was as I sat in the foster care training classes and thought, holy cow, are we really doing this? Are we actually going to bring a child into our home who uh, is not part of our normal family unit, uh, and what is this going to be like? I was totally, uh, I was freaked out. I asked one of the other foster dads in the Dad Tired group if he also felt this way. Is there anything you're afraid of? Uh, a lot. <laughs> uh, I think one of the biggest things I'm afraid of is what kind of impact it's going to have on my own biological kids. Uh, are they going to see... Are they going to see the negative side of things and be influenced by maybe some of the negative behaviors of some of these children? Uh, I could only hope and pray that in the future, when they're older, uh, that we've set an example for them. I know there are a lot of you guys listening who maybe have considered foster care or adoption for a long time. Maybe your wife has been kind of bringing this topic up to you and uh, you're trying to let's just uh, put it to bed as quickly as possible. But maybe this episode, God might be stirring something in your heart. And maybe you're like, even as you're thinking about it, you're thinking about all the practical ways that this won't work uh, or all the things that you know uh, are going to cause a lot of hardship in your family and how much pain this actually might cause your heart. Uh, I asked Andy, an adoptive dad in the Dad Tired group, if he'd speak into that. There's always this myth out there that says, I don't think I could love someone that didn't have my DNA as much as I would someone that has my DNA. And that's just not true. It, it's something that maybe God won't give you the grace to believe that until you actually need it. But at the end of the day, God loved us and we don't have his DNA. And he adopted us as sons as, you know, in, in perfection. And we don't have his uh, physical DNA. You could argue we're in the image of God, sure. But, uh, He's a model to, as a father, and you have the capacity to love more than you ever imagine that you can. Um, they, that for anyone looking at any options, whether it's through foster care or adoption or IVF, there's no path that is safe from emotional pain and investment. Like every path has the opportunity to break your heart, and it's just something you have to do. Uh, and I think foster care is, is one of those especially, that you're taking a risk to love a child that may not be there in months or a year. Um, but that's no less true with adoption or uh, in vitro fertilization. You just have to do it in faith. God calls you to one of them. Don't, don't calculate the risk so much. Just do it. Andy, who you just heard there, he's part of our dad tire community. He has a pretty powerful story, which I thought would be worth sharing. So take a listen to this. Uh, I got married in my late 20s, right around 27. My wife's 28. And I was in 2002. And along the journey, you know, we eventually discovered that we weren't having kids, as you kind of discovered through the natural means. Started kind of wondering why. Did just a, you know, a little simple test to look and see, but we didn't really come across any answers. Um, you know, but we decided instead of paying for the answers and paying for IVF, we just decided to we just felt called to start our family, and so we started looking at adoption as a means. And in 2007, we, you know, had our we had a failed adoption, 
And then we actually adopted a five and a half month old son in 2008. And it was at a crazy time because we actually found out that we were going to adopt our son and that I was going to lose my job, like basically on the same day. And um, so it was uh, pretty shocking, but in the end it was it was great because I got a great severance package and I was able to just be home and bond with my son that was, that was new to us and it was a great experience. Later on, uh, I got a job where, where in vitro fertilization was part of the package that would be paid for for free. So we started looking at that option and in faith entered that process and had a, a daughter in, in 2012. And she's just a blessing to us. And our family is just, it's a really fun family uh, in that we've kind of grown it through what I call the other ways. And, uh, you know, technically speaking, we're all firstborns in our family, my wife and I and our son and our daughter. And so we are all fighting it out in the home, but, but uh, just celebrating the family that God built. We also had a lot of unsuccessful implants later on that were you know, our cryopreserved embryos and had a lot of theological questions to answer there had to wrestle with the idea of giving up our embryos for adoption. Uh, but in the end, you know, God allowed us to work through all of them and, and none of them took. Um, but we just really feel like God gave us the family that he was trying to grow. And it's just real exciting to be a part of that. This week on Facebook, I got a message from a guy named Scott who uh, adopted several children from China. And he, he told me how he had zero plans uh, of adopting. It was actually... Uh, he was influenced by his teenage daughter who just really felt the tug on her heart to uh, start to bring children into their home. And so she was. God really used his teenage daughter to, to kind of motivate he and his wife. And mainly his wife, he was like having a hard time getting on board. Um, but God ended up tugging his heart. Here's his story. That morning, for whatever reason, this little girl's eyes, I kept seeing in my mind. And I just kept pushing it away. The next day, uh, we went to church. Our pastor started preaching, and, and at the end of his, his message, his thing was, who are you going to be a lifesaver for? For me, it was, okay, God, I, I, I hear you. I need to be a lifesaver for this little girl that I can't get her eyes out of my mind. I looked over, and I, I, I took Sharon's hand, and I said, okay. And when I said, okay, she knew what I was saying. And it was just, one of, again, one of those moments when God was saying, you're not done. And I don't know how, but he'll provide one. 100 million orphans in the world, and God has called us to this. And I've had people say to me before, you know, Scott, you can't save them all. And that's right, but we can save one at a time. Listen, I know there are many of you who have never thought about fostering or adoption in your life, and uh, I don't want this episode to guilt you into anything, but what I do want to do is if the Holy Spirit is tugging something in your heart, if he's like pricking something and he's nudging you in a certain way, then I just pray that this episode is used by God to be part, a little piece of your journey of of engaging with kids who could use some love. And uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to 
bring a child into your home. There are lots of ways that you can get involved in this. You can uh, give respite to foster care families. You can uh, donate financially to organizations that are helping, like Bethany Christian Services. Uh, you can help adoptive parents. You can bring over diapers. You can do babysitting. You can donate items. Like There's just so many different ways that you can get involved with this if you just don't aren't able to, to bring in children into your home. But man, uh, I do pray that you would very seriously consider it, that you would actually spend Spend the time uh, today with you and even your wife together praying about what would it look like for God to use you to start to love on children. I, I always told my wife, like, uh, you know, I, I don't know how we're going to do this, and I know it's going to be super painful, um, but I just trust that God's grace is big enough. And uh, it's either us getting hurt uh, and kind of ignoring, uh, or it's us getting hurt. Uh, in the process, but at least we're doing something to like make a change or we just completely ignore the problem. And I just didn't feel right ignoring it. It was too big of a deal for uh, to just kind of close my eyes and look away. So uh, again, I don't want to guilt anybody into like taking children. It's you. You should not be guilted in uh, to to take children into your home. That should not be your motivation at all. But uh, it's worth repeating that if the Holy Spirit is nudging you, then I pray that we just play a little piece. That this episode would just play a little piece in being used by God uh, to help radically transform lives. Both. Uh, children and their parents and any foster parents and DHS workers and the whole system, I pray that God would use us to take what is messy and make it beautiful. And it would reflect back to a God who takes the messiness of the world and doesn't run away from it, but runs towards it and will ultimately one day turn all of this mess into something beautiful again. I'll let you uh, end this episode by listening to some other dads share their final thoughts. children are the ones who are the most affected. I mean, and they're put in desperate situations without hope. So I think God is able to, to use Christians, and I'm grateful that he uses us, to be agents of hope, to be salt, light, um, and to be his hands and feet out in these places. So why am I so passionate about it? Because I think God allows us to do this. And this is like part of the mission. I mean, love the Lord God with all your heart, your neighbor is yourself. That's your neighbor. So it's that foster kid down the street, or it could be that uh, kid who's in a war zone over in uh, the Middle East. If there are people listening who want to get into it or are on the fence, uh, go through the training and see what you think. Because I think I think it will I think it will change change your heart a bit uh, when you see when you hear some stories of the children that are out there and what they've been through and how possibly we could help. You know it's. It's hard. It's it's ugly and it's dirty, but it's worth it because, you know, every kid deserves a loving home. It's just part of it. Getting your heart ripped out is, is part of it. It's, it's ugly, but it's what Jesus called us to do, so that's what we want to do. They're the ones going through the real struggle. We're just seeing a small bit of it.